It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Day in History, Old Iowa Newspaper Edition. Up first on today's docket comes to us from the Iowa Capitol Reporter's Saturday, December 9th, 1843 issue. My name is Kristen, and let's get to it. Mechanics Academy. The trustees of the Mechanics Academy of Iowa City would inform the public that they will open the winter session for receiving pupils on the first Monday of October next. The services of Messengers W and H. Hamilton, graduates of Kenyon College, Ohio, have been secured to conduct the mail department. Mrs. Hampton, a lady favorably known to this community, will take charge of the female department. The trustees have the fullest confidence in the qualifications of the teachers employed and take pleasure in saying they believe they will give general satisfaction to all those who may patronize the academy. But to the public, we would say try them. The academy edifice is beautifully situated on the east side of the park in the center of the city. It is entirely new, and the superiority of its size and style of architecture never fails to attract the favorable notice of strangers. The scenery surrounding it is an agreeable variety of prairie and wood. Now from the Iowa City Daily Bulletin, Saturday, December 9th, 1865 issue. Local Matters. We omitted inadvertently to insert the advertisement of the new fruit store in our issue of yesterday. It appears today. Our friends will find a handsome assortment at Baldwin Brothers. Don't forget the railroad meeting this evening at the old council chamber. The St. Louis committee will make their report and important business is expected to be brought before the meeting. Professor Sands' entertainment last evening was very satisfactory to the audience. One young man, who had evidently never been soldiering, fainted when the professor displayed his arm with the knife run through it. He gives another exhibition this evening. Judge Warren, mail carrier between this city and we believe Millersburg, was frozen to death on the road today. His remains have just been brought to the city. And now the Daily Press's Monday, December 9th, 1872 issue. The Non-Voters. Immediately after the election, we affirmed that General Grant was a minority president. This statement was furiously assailed by his partisan press and figures were strained to their limit to prove it false. The Cincinnati Gazette has analyzed the vote of the six states of Maine, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Ohio, showing that their total decrease in the Democratic vote since 1868 is 166,849. The same percentage of increase applied to the whole union shows a total falling off of 1,128,896 votes.
So 1,128,896 Democrats refused to vote, and their snubbing the poll gave the ballot to General Grant. The examination of this question now is useless, save as there may be deduced from it a lesson useful for the future. In 1868, the Democratic vote, as compared with preceding and succeeding state elections, was short about 400,000, and Grant's popular majority was 300 or 830,000. There were reason there were diverse reasons then as now for this extensive non-voting. We were then unsuccessful in the state elections of August and September, and the malcontent element amongst us laid down its arms or carried them over to the enemy, crying, another mistake made, somebody else ought to have been nominated at New York. And we were discouraged into silence and disheartened into, into defeat, while the Grant men under the steady stimulus of success poured to the polls and cast their full strength. It is for the Democrats to say how long this shall endure. It is for them to say how long they will be led to revolt against their own convention results by the traitors to our cause who claim to belong to our ranks. In 1876, it is highly probable that the choice of the men who have this year supported Mr. Greeley will fall upon Governor Hendricks of Indiana. We hope the party press will make up public opinion in that direction, and then when he is nominated and the Brick Pomeroys and Blanton Denkus of 1870 raise a howl against him as they did against Seymour and Greeley, let them be driven out of the party with clubs. Farmers, as well as our city owners of horses, are beginning to think that a little light work does the animals no harm and consequently our streets on Saturday presented a shadow of old time liveliness and our merchants rubbed their hands in glee as their customers disappeared with huge bundles under their arms that had been sold as usual, cheap for cash. We wish we were a merchant. And now the Daily Iowa State Press's Wednesday, December 9th, 1903 issue. A horse buyer wanted by Iowa County Farmers. A smooth-faced fellow has been working a game at Marengo. Registered at the Hotel Ketchum Monday, December 1st was the name of J.L. Hamilton, Lincoln, Nebraska. He was smooth-faced man of about 25 apparently and he proceeded to make himself known as a horseman interesting local dealers who went with him to buy horses about the country with the local man he drove all the week buying horses at a good stiff price and paying in checks on the first national bank of marengo making today monday the day of delivery of the horses among the horses that he bought was sam patch a pacer owned by James Sherlock of Oxford, for which the horse horse's buyer gave a check for $500. Mm-hmm. 
Marengo was filled with driving horses. They came from all parts of Iowa and Johnson counties, but the supposed buyer was not here to take them, and the sellers found that the checks they had were worthless. The stranger could not be found, and there was nothing to be done but go sorrowfully home. The stranger bought many thousands of dollars worth of horses, giving bad checks for all of them. But his graft thus far seems to have been light. In one or two cases, he asked for cash on the checks for pocket money to the amount of $10. And this, together with the amount advanced for expense money by the local horseman with him, seems to have amounted to about $60. This, aside from his hotel bill, is all that he escaped with Sunday night. But the grand finality of the grafter was yet remains a mystery. Local news items. Ladies of Cranford will be presented by the Hesperians in their hall Saturday night. It is an amusing farce. The university assembly was not held this morning despite this custom but will be held tomorrow morning instead. Miss Sadie Tillotson has gone to her home in Davenport. She was called here by the death of her grandmother, Mrs. Mary C. Tillotson, and afterwards visited at the home of Mrs. James Berry. The Grinnell basketball team, a strong organization of basket makers, will be here Saturday afternoon to play the first big game with the Hawkeye team. The two clubs will meet in Close Hall Gymnasium. The sale of seats for Quincy Adams Sawyer, the great New England comedy drama, opened at Winkies this morning. The house tomorrow night promises to be a record breaker for the current season. The Ladies of Trinity Church will hold the bazaar at the Armory Thursday, December 10th, beginning at 2 o'clock. They have a fine collection of bulk, useful, and fancy articles, besides a beautiful display of genuine Mexican drawn work direct from Matamoras and Fort Brown. They will also serve lot supper beginning at 5.30. All are cordially invited. The funeral of the late Fred C. Coe, says the Jacksonville, Illinois Daily Journal, attracted a large audience to the Congressional Church Wednesday afternoon. The services, the report states, were participated in by the Elk Lodge, of which Mr. Coe was a member. Reverend A. B. Morey, D.D., pastor of the Presbyterian Church, paid a fitting tribute to the integrity, kindly disposition, devotion to family and friends, and the generous public spirit which actuated all the life of Mr. Coe. Mr. L. G. Susmihi is a second Eugene Cowles. His rendition of the Armourer's song was simply superb from the Detroit Legal News. Mr. Susmihil will appear for the first time in Iowa City at the Presbyterian Church, Monday, December 14th. Dr. Alice Ross of Wabak, Iowa, is a guest of Dr. Leora Johnson. 
George Lindsay is here from Davenport, shaking hands with old university friends. Miss Jessie Jordan has returned to her home in Burlington after a visit with Iowa City friends. The Phi Della Theta fraternity will entertain in the football hero's honor Friday night at the chapter house. Polly Primrose is the fetching name of Miss Adelaide Thurston's pretty new play. The Iowa City favorite will be here before very long. Weston Havers Panatorium delivery wagon with a frightened horse preceding went scurrying along Dubuque Street yesterday afternoon. Deputy Marshal Clearman dashed out into the street near the intersection with Iowa Avenue and captured the runaway. Nothing and nobody were in- injured. A telegram to the state press from Dubuque announces that Charles Mongay's victim, Reverend Father Roach of the Cascade Catholic Church, is doing nicely today and is out of danger. The young man refuses to talk and remains sullen and morose in jail. He will doubtless be recommitted to the insane asylum before long. Miss Elizabeth Irish, proprietor of Irish's Business College, is mourning the curious loss of a valued ring set. The gold circlet was adorned with a number of opals and diamond chips. And while she was bending over a stove, the ring slipped off and fell into the scorching flames. A subsequent search revealed the fused and misshapen gold ring, but the opals were actually burned to ashes. All the tiny diamonds but one were lost. Arthur C. Wallace is one of the most painfully injured participants in the sophomore freshman class scrap. Mr. Wallace, a second year man, is carrying his left arm in a sling as a result of a collision with the underclassmen in which a small bone in his wrist was snapped and the ligaments thereabouts were ruptured. Boys will be boys, according to the old proverb, but occasionally they will be cripples. The appearance of Mrs. Lily Stibbolt Hansen on the program is always a treat. Her sweet, sympathetic voice is full of nature's music and her remarkable execution of difficult passages is forgotten in the bird-like qualities and sweet purity of her tones. She is simply delightful from the Davenport Republican. Mrs. Hansen will sing in the Holy City at the Presbyterian Church Monday, December 14th at 8 o'clock. County Clerk Ed Kozer has tabulated his marriage licenses for the year drawing to a close. The 11 months and 7 days just passed have given to the world about us 191 brides and grooms. Of those 190 were authorized to wed up to December 1st. The current month is rather backward as only one license has been issued thus far. And Christmas is coming too. Mr. Kozer is not cynical as a rule, but he is more than half inclined to believe that the ordinary, far-seeking, common-sense American girl believes that her chances for getting a bunch of lovely gifts 
are materially lessened by marriage before December 25th. There would have been 192 weddings, but for the facts herein before noted that one of the prospective grooms sent back his license and asked for a revocation. He got it. The $1.25 fee is still waiting for him in the clerk's office. His name is Charlie Jones. The greatest number of licenses were issued, of course, in June, 34 being the number that month. February had 28, and September and November were each credited with 25. Now from the Iowa City Press Citizens, Thursday, December 9, 1920 issue. Morse News. Mrs. Lillian Buranek was a West Branch caller Saturday. Mrs. William Wonek and son William were business callers in Seoul on Saturday. Owing to bad weather, the Bazaar and Home Talent place, play was postponed until Saturday evening, December 11th, at the Morse Hall. All are welcome. Come and enjoy yourself. Roy Jail of Nichols spent Sunday with his mother, Mrs. Margaret Jail. Clement, Clement Donahoe and William Jell Jr., William Andrews and O.L. Casey were Iowa City callers Saturday. J.S. Eggenberg was a business caller in Solon Friday. Chris Larson, who is employed at Downey, spent Sunday at R.T. Shepherds. Mr. and Mrs. James Wonek are the proud parents of a 10 and a half pound boy, Elzir K. On, two, on Thursday, December 12th, Mrs. W.C. Rosenauer entertained the la- ladies of St. Mary's Church. They elected officers for the year and planned to hold a bazaar supper and dance at the Morris Hall Wednesday, December 29th, to which all are invited. Mr. Millen of LaPorte, Iowa, is visiting his daughter, Mrs. Oscar Casey. Jack Anderlick of Tipton called in Morris Sunday. Among those from here who were Iowa City callers Monday were Mr. and Mrs. William Andrews, Mr. and Mrs. F.E. Andrews, Mrs. L.J. Andrews, J.G. Andrews and son, Mrs. F.A. Baranek and son, Mr. and Mrs. Charles Baranek, Mr. and Mrs. William Wonek, Albert Wonek and wife, Ben Akers and wife, Mr. and Mrs. Ray Wickerham, Mr. and Mrs. F. M. Ackerley, Mr. and Mrs. A. J. Walsh and daughter, Marley, Mrs. Jail, Mrs. Kincaid, Mr. and Mrs. W. C. Rosauer, Jim Beber, W. G. Arndt, G. W. Demery, Jims, Griberg, Mr. and Mrs. E. C. Fisher and son, B. W. Gardner and son, Charles, Whale Brothers, Thomas Stolle, Hyber Brothers, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Casper and R.T. Shepard and daughters, Mr. and Mrs. Hugh Maher and daughter Irene, 
Mr. and Mrs. O.S. Casey, Mabel and Grace Huber, Thelet Walsh, Helen and Ethel Spinder, Jason Wonek and A.Z. Oaks. G.W. Miller, wife and two daughters are now settled in their new home on Main Street. J.S. Peters of Iowa City was a business caller in Morris Tuesday. William Shepard was a passenger to Dixon Tuesday. Mustard Gas Burns Heroes Burned by mustard gas administered in military tests when the boys of Iowa City, khaki-clad, were serving their country in American camps as truly as those who were sent overseas and were awaiting the call to the front points near the blood-stained trenches. More Iowa soldiers than most people dream of are victims. Some of the young men who were thus shown just what the bulk might do to them if Heint got a chance were forced to go for days with cruel wounds swathed in bandages and were kept on the incapacitated casualty list until they were fit for service anew. The mustard gas that Uncle Sam devised was of mighty potency, and Fritz had nothing on his American scientific brothers in the compounding of stuff that blistered. Therefore, when the powers that be put extra quantities on the arms of the Iowa City soldiers, there were some very unpleasant wounds inflicted. It is a fact, easily demonstrable, that some ugly scars, sufficiently fresh to tell of com comparatively recent suffering and to predict lengthy retention of the marks, are to be found on the bodies of Johnson County servicemen who were not privileged to go overseas. Of course, some of the soldiers, an army of them, in fact, who went across, were not called into the battle line, and it is quite true that there were some of the Iowa heroes who got into the fighting and were providentially spared even a scratch. Thus, it is again true that certain Hawkeye soldier boys and officers right here in town bear marks of dangerous mustard gas blistering, telling of deep and painful wounds, such as even some fighters in France were lucky enough to miss although the grateful world knows that the latter found a plenty of trouble and pain. Lost. Lost. K ring finder, please return to press office. Lost. Black folding pocketbook containing $18. Finder, please leave at press office. Reward of $5. Lost. Plush auto robe between Iowa City and Sharon Center. Please leave at this office. Reward. Lost. One two-year-old steer. Two white-faced yearlings. Tip off right ear. From Jack Summerhay's pasture. Two and a half miles southeast of Tiffin. Finder, please notify T.C. Tadlock, North Liberty, Iowa. Lost. Ford chain and tightener between Iowa City and North Liberty. Leave at press citizen office. Reward. Miscellaneous. Piano tuning. 
Harry L. Floyd, professional tuner, leave orders at Harmony Hall. Agnes G. Flanagan, teacher of piano and har harmony, studio 212 and a half South Clinton, residence. Dead animals removed. Call 994 for removal of dead animals. Schulman Rendering Works, Iowa City. Get your sewing machine rebuilt. Guaranteed to work like new or no charge. W. Hughes, 802 Iowa Avenue or phone. Rent your farm at the Corn Belt Land and Mortgage Company, Paul Helen Building. We place farm loans and sell mortgages. Corn Belt Land and Mortgage Company, Paul Helen Building. Wanted. Shoe salesman or sales lady must have experience. Inquire A. Abrils Abramson. Wanted. Farm help. Hackle agency. Hackmer agency. Wanted. Young man student to work for use of room. Wanted. Cook for fraternity house. About 35 at table. Good wages helping kitchen. Call R.J. Carroll at noon or after 5 p.m. Telephone number 1079 or write 720 North Dubuque. Wanted to do hauling with truck. W.S. West. Phone black. Wanted dressmaking. First class work. Wanted ashes and rubbish to haul. Wanted small washings for sale fine corner lot on oakland avenue paving sewer walks and water in one block from longfellow school lot 50 by 125 1100 dollars if taken at once address xyz care of press citizen for sale marengo six percent paving bonds and iowa city sewer bonds these bonds are exempt from all taxes. Bailey and Murphy. For sale, 1916 Ford Roadster, engine just overhauled, in first class shape, $250, a good buy. Address B, Care, Press Citizen. For sale, a medium sized safe, Inquire Press Citizen Office. For sale, Ford 1917 Touring Car, Mohair Top, Honeycomb Radiator, Kelly Springfield Tires, $285, 815 Iowa Avenue. For sale, secondhand Columbia Phonograph, in good condition, address SE, this office. For sale, furniture, two beds complete, springs for wood, bed, dresser, rockers, chairs, library table, pillows, stands. For sale, Tamworth's fall and spring mails, 40 head of gilts at farmer's prices, J.W. Justice and Son, Iowa City. For sale, fine S.C. Rhode Island red cockerel, 200 
One between egg strain, price $2 for $10, Lee County, Melrose Avenue, Iowa City. Lee Colony, Melrose Avenue, Iowa City. For sale, one Rhode Island red rooster and three pups. For sale, pair of Scottish Terriers, the great rat, watch, pet, and stay-at-home little dog. For sale, wicker push cart and baby pen, practically new, also cradle. For sale, Victrola, practically new, 100 records for $100. That's a wrap on Day in History, December 9th. Thanks for tuning in. Thank <laughs> you.